right here we've got episode 38. I'm going to be straight with you, but you've got to be straight with me. Are you addicted to sugar? Or maybe a better question is, do you think you're not addicted to sugar? It's almost, almost impossible to avoid sugar if you're not food or feelings educated, because sugar is in almost all foods and we turn to sugar to deal with almost all feelings. The good thing is today's guest is a sugar freedom coach, and for most of us, it might be exactly who we need in our life right now. So, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I hope you've had a great week. I've been flat out with clients and filming content for my new online program, which I'll tell you more about in a few months. I just want to do a quick shout out first to some listeners in a few different countries. So we've got Norway, Germany, Mongolia, and Indonesia. So thank you very much. I've been very lucky to be popping up in the charts in these countries over the last few months. So I just want to give you guys a mention and a big thank you from across the pond. Okay, so to today's episode, we have a wonderful guest. We've got Danielle Dame, and she's here with us all the way from Canada. She is a sugar freedom coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women reshape their relationship with sugar so they can reclaim control over their health and energy levels. Having struggled with sugar addiction herself, she knows exactly how difficult and overwhelming the journey can be and therefore uses her extensive knowledge in nutrition, coaching, and her personal experience help clients discover a new way of living in which sugar cravings and guilt no longer control their health or their life. So welcome to the show, Danny. How are you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Maddie. I am doing great and I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that we finally managed to align our schedules. (laughs) Yeah, me too. It took a little while. (laughs) It it took a few bookings and cancels and bookings and cancels, but uh, that's okay. I'm stoked because... I really think the listeners are going to benefit massively since we know sugar runs most of the world. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into this and to just keep building on all of the amazing things you've already shared about sugar. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I do share a fair amount. Absolutely. So before we get into it, I just want to do a quick thank you to our friend who connected us, Monique Nelson. So she's a health coach and event organizer because you and I both, I guess we met on the public speaking circuit, really, at the Eat Real Food Summit. Yeah, we did. We did. I was actually in Guatemala at the time. And uh, I remember, I think you reached out to me. I can't remember, actually. You reached out to me, I think. and said, hey, love your topic. Can't wait to hear your video at the summit. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Absolutely. Yeah, it was such a great summer. There were so many great speakers. And it was good to connect with people like yourself and everybody else there, too. All right. So let's, I guess, before we get into the sort of health and nutrition side of it, let's talk about your story. Let's talk about how you got to the point of being so amazing with sugar and helping people sort of deal with that problem. So what led you down this path? Yeah, yeah. I guess we do have to start there, right? That's an important place to start. And before, before I share the cold notes of that, um, <laughs> I do really, it's so important for me to say that what I am doing and the way that I'm living, it's not about being sugar-free. It's about freedom. That's why I very carefully use the word freedom because it's really about building a healthy relationship with sugar. So I personally don't never want to eat sugar again. I mean, I love wine. I love a good piece of cake once in a while, but it doesn't control me anymore. So this is the, sh- the freedom piece in really being getting to choose instead of the addiction choosing for you. So have to say that first. And so it's freedom, not restriction. 
Yeah, yeah. It's freedom and it's such a, a different energetic space to be in when, you know, when we're, when we have freedom around, you know, our relationship with food in general and especially with something as addictive as sugar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that said, me, how did I get into this? It's been quite a journey for me over the last four years. It really all started now that I look back, I didn't know it at the time. It really all started for me when my husband and I had quit our jobs and were traveling in South America for a year. And we were eating like crap. Can I say that here? I hope I can say that here. So we were eating like junk, right? All of the South America, right? Just carb, 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 carb. And it was really eye-opening for how our bodies started to respond and get bogged down. And we were starting to crave vegetables and just get really fed up with the way that we were eating down there. And it wasn't until the end of that trip, we actually ended up in the middle of the jungle in Colombia. We weren't kidnapped. Like we were there on purpose. It was all good. Um, but it was at that place that we were at a, this yoga retreat in the middle of the jungle that we were eating completely off the land. And I didn't know it at the time, but that's when I went through a sugar detox. So we were there about two weeks and I went through my own sort of version of sugar withdrawals, sugar detox. I remember being uh, really tired. I remember waking up in the night being really hungry for no reason. I remember having headaches and just feeling very, very off. And that whole trip was transformational. But by the time I came home, I was really passionate about nutrition and about helping people make real simple changes with their health that have a huge impact on their life. And it still didn't clue into me what was going on with sugar. So as I started, you know, coaching people in nutritional coaching and working with clients, I was in the background going through my own journey through sugar addiction. And coming home, I really realized the pull and the cravings and the lack of control that I had around sugar. And that was really eye-opening for me because I'm the type of person that needs loves to be in control <laughs> of all things. So when something else had this pull on me and I realized it, I said, no, no, that's not going to happen. This stops now. So I went on my own journey to clean out my body and to get the junk out of my body. And that was a big piece of that was sugar and looking at my family all addicted to sugar and really starting to dig into where that came from for me. And it wasn't about two years into my business that I realized that I was finally at a place where I felt free from the control that sugar used to have over me. And that's when it hit me. This is what I want to be helping people with. Because it doesn't have to take two years. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, confusing, lonely, like all the crazy roller coaster that I went through in dealing with something so difficult by myself. Um, I believe sugar addiction is the one of the worst addictions to overcome for, for many reasons. But you know, going through that myself and then looking back at how I accomplished that, now I'm able to recreate that and, and help my clients through that in a much shorter period of time. Usually it only takes a couple months and then there's some maintenance and it's, oh, it's so rewarding. I mean, my whole life has changed and I'm on a mission to change everybody's lives. If I can, the whole world, I'm going to go big, <laughs> big. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as you know, the, the whole world is needing to be helped when it comes to sugar because it is so addictive socially acceptable, you know, it feeds every possible emotion we might have about ourselves and the world. And so, the, yeah, the world needs you. <laughs> yes, yes. So talking about sugar addiction and your own experience and dealing with clients, why is sugar so addictive? Why can't our brain sort of rationalize or deal with the, you know, I don't eat this or I want this and I can't control my cravings for it? Like what, what's going on there? What's going on? There's so many things going on. 
and you definitely touched on a lot of those things in the podcast you did a couple of weeks ago, or if it was months ago, I can't remember. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Listener, episode so 15. Episode 15 for anybody that wants to check it out. Perfect. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely listen to that one. But after, especially after going through my own experience and now working with quite a few clients, I'm really starting to see a lot of things that are at play. And it really doesn't, I don't believe that it comes down to this lack of motivation that so many of us guilt ourselves for. Well, it's just me. I can't control myself, right? If there's really something deeper and very sub subconscious and on a cellular level, right? I mean, the whole addictive cycle that takes place in our brain is at a cellular level that we're not aware of. So there's a, you know, and if you have yeast overgrowth and you have problems in your gut, there's there's cravings coming from that as well. So there's there's this big pull on an actual physical cellular level that's keeping us addicted to sugar, even though we're not aware of it and we don't really know what's going on. So definitely the physical addiction is a very, very real thing. And once you clean out your body and dig into that, you can start seeing the light again. <laughs> definitely seeing the light. And what I believe for most people is at the root of definitely sugar addiction, if not every addiction, is our emotional connections and our emotional health. I totally and agree. Yeah, like hands down. And I've learned this just practice. Every time I work with somebody, it always comes back to a deeper rooted emotion or social connection or habit that we've had since childhood. By the way, all of this starts in childhood. Yeah. That we have from the moment we're taught to treat ourselves with sugar, the moment we're taught that sugar equals love, sugar is connection, sugar is going to help you when you're stressed or bored or angry. And it's, there's kind of two pieces around the emotional, you know, connection that we have with sugar. And I'll try to say this quickly and concisely because I could talk on this for hours. But <laughs> the first piece is that we have since childhood really connected every single emotion to sugar, whether it's a happy emotion or a sad emotion, anger, stress, boredom, celebration, joy, everything, all of it is connected subconsciously to sugar. The second piece that's going on is, and I think the biggest piece with our emotional you know, health around sugar is that most of us, and I don't know about you guys in Australia or, or all over the world where, where you're listening from, but here, definitely in North America, we haven't been taught from childhood to be okay in our uncomfortable emotions. We're taught that when you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling sad, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling grief, you're feeling all of these really tight, heavy, uncomfortable emotions, we're taught to find the quickest, most socially acceptable way out of them immediately. We're taught to numb out. We're taught to suck it up, stop crying. And this is definitely a huge, huge issue as we're getting into, you know, our sugar addiction. And now we're, you know, as soon as we feel sad, as soon as we feel stressed, as soon as we feel, you know, grief and we are so uncomfortable in that emotion that we reach for something to get out of it, whether it's Netflix or Instagram or sugar, right? To give us that dopamine hit, to make us feel good again so we can feel better. So I think a big part of the work is to practice being okay in those emotions. And, and I've been on my journey with that as well a lot lately. And it's difficult, but it's so, it's so powerful. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And it, and it's exactly the same here in Australia. Yeah. We we have the same kind of cultural values in that sense. It's like, you know, and and I even talk to my clients about something very similar. But, you know, it's like, do you remember as a child, I try and get people to remember, like, you know, do you remember being one, rewarded with a lollipop? And number two, being told to shut up if I give you a lollipop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're like, 
from like the age of five, you're already con- connecting sugar to good outcomes and bad outcomes and, and all totally. of these things. And now people even plan it. If somebody has a bad engagement or interaction in their day, they're like, I can't wait to get home and just get the ice cream. And, and totally. that's like six hours after the fact and they've already planned their coping totally. mechanism. Yeah. Totally. Or I'm going to, you know, go, I can't wait to drink a bottle of wine when I get home, right? I mean, like, yeah. it's a lot of different things for most people at Sugar. And, and it's, yeah, it's the same here. As soon as you scrape your knee as a child, you're taught to, oh, don't cry. Here's an ice cream. Like, let's go for ice cream, right? We're taught to numb yeah. out and ignore the importance. Oh, man, is it important to feel our emotions? And we're, we bottle that up. And now they're proving that that even leads to disease. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation for another day. But yeah. <laughs> the emotional piece, I think, is, is really at the root of, of where this addiction is, is really holding on to us so strongly. Yeah, and I really think it's a failure of Western society to have spent so many years burying that emotional stuff or not engaging with it because, like, sugar is socially acceptable. Like, even if you drink alcohol, alcohol is acceptable, but if you're an alcoholic, you get judged, right? It's a negative judgment. But sugar, if you say you're a sugar addict, people just say, oh, yeah, me too. Like, Totally, yeah. and this is one of the reasons that it's the worst addiction. I mean, it's you can have a hit of sugar at breakfast, lunch, dinner, the, in the middle of the night, no one's judging you, right? But if you were drinking, you know, wine or whiskey for breakfast, people would probably, you know, <laughs> think that's strange or at a birthday party, right? Like, okay, uh, what's happening? Yeah. I'm just thinking of whiskey on my uh, my breakfast. That'd be horrendous. Whiskey <laughs> cereal. Let's start, let's start a trend. Oh, no. Let's start a trend. Oh, no. Nah. usually have porridge, so like, no yeah, dice. I like it. Or in your smoothie. I know you do a lot of smoothies. I know, do, I do. No. <laughs> Give me spirulina and chlorella over whiskey smoothies every day. <laughs> I think you're a rare breed. <laughs> I think so. Um, so I guess one of the things for probably most of the listeners and potentially most people you work with is that they realize way too late in their health journey that they're a sugar addict. They're super deep in the rabbit hole, whether they're overweight, whether they've got diabetes, whether they've got Alzheimer's, cancer. So for those of us people in that category and potentially some that aren't yet in that category, what signs should people look for in their day-to-day that might indicate they are a sugar addict in themselves? Or, you know, how can they identify it maybe somebody they love? Because I can imagine a lot of us think, oh, I'm not a sugar addict, but we are. And we just don't realize it. Or a lot of the products we buy from the supermarket say natural, fresh, or healthy when they're actually loaded with sugar. So, you know, what, what, what do you suggest there to identify being a sugar addict? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that it's such so different for everybody in that realm. And I think, you know, just even listening to podcasts like this, listening to more information, really educating yourself around this is it can be eye-opening. Again, in your podcast, you mentioned this, but I'm gonna mention it again because one of the biggest misconceptions that I see often is people only thinking that sugar is ice cream and lollies and all the candy, right? But sugar is also all the white stuff. It's the white bread, the white pasta, the white your no fiber, no minerals, carbohydrates. So a lot of people will, maybe you resonate, maybe you're listening and you resonate to being, you know, having cravings or just having a pull towards bread or pasta. Like that is a sign of sugar addiction. That's, that's sugar. So if you're noticing those, those pulls towards those things, that, that is absolutely a sign to take notice. I often say to, I often say to people like, well, you know how people ask the question, are you a sweet or a savory person? I'm like, in 2019, you're a sweet or you're a sweet person because the savory stuff is full of sugar. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's sugar with a bit of salt on it. So you can't yeah. tell. Right? Like, it's just sugar salt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, that's what it is. Unless you're eating whole real foods, you know, that's kind of the, the only two tastes that the food industry are using, um, that and fat. So yeah, really, really interesting just to be aware of that. Another thing to definitely watch out for is, I mean, if you actually feel sugar craving, I mean, that's pretty easy. Once you're listening to this podcast now, you're going to be thinking about sugar. Do you feel, you know, on a daily basis, do you notice, you know, after meals or after dinner or in the middle of the afternoon at your desk at work? Like, are you getting that, that craving for a hit of something sweet? So obviously big sign. Another really, really good sign as you become more aware of what's going on with your body and, and your, you know, whole relationship with food is, you know, are you noticing that you can't say no to sweet food? So if someone in the office comes in with a plate of cookies, you just had lunch, you're full, they offer you a cookie, you have to have one, you know, or you go out for coffee and you're not even hungry, but you get there and then all of a sudden you want a cookie or you want some sweet. So really that inability to almost say no when you know that you're not hungry and you don't need food and there's no reason that you should be wanting that thing, but you can't say no, right? Or you can't just have one. That's another good one as well. You know, if you're, you know, are having a cookie, but you can't, like, if you're the type of person that says, well, I would never eat just one cookie. Like I have to eat the whole bag or I have to eat the whole thing. Like there's no stopping. So, you know, that is definitely, you know, some of the biggest signs that I see people realizing and starting to understand are taking place and and telling you that, you know, there's probably something here. What about identifying it in a partner or loved one? Like, or, or mm. friend, like, because I can imagine mm. that that is a super touchy space to invade, maybe is the right word. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Very, very. And and I love having that conversation too. And maybe we can do another a whole other podcast on that one. But, yeah. um, you know, looking at these things in them too, right? Like if you notice that... and and. Actually, this is really interesting that you share because, or that you ask that because I have memories growing up of my family being very, like any addict, right? Hiding free is a really interesting signal. So if you're noticing that your loved one is, has a drawer full of candy hidden or is sneaking off into the pantry and eating cookies, you know, without, you know, being proud to just eat them in the kitchen or in front of you, like that kind of that hidden piece 
is yeah. a classic sign of, of somebody being addicted to anything, right? Well, it's, it's um, shame. I assume it's shame. Like yeah. they're the emotion that they're yeah. dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Shame, guilt. Like there's, there's a lot of things. They know that they have a problem whether it's conscious or subconscious and they're, they're, you know, they're worried about the judgment that you're going to give them, which essentially is just a mirror of them judging themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's a really, really big one to, to keep an eye out for. And, and again, like the same thing, if, if you notice that they're really, they're having something sweet every single day, like if it's just a every single day, every single meal, that's, you know, something to watch out for, for your loved one and you, right. If you're starting your day off with sugar cereal, with sugar milk, and then, you know, sugar salad dressing and all the stuff, then, you know, that you're probably addicted to sugar. So once we identify it, is it possible to relinquish ourselves from our own kind of inflicted suffering or are we doomed to a life of self-sabotage? You know what? We're doomed. No, I'm (laughs) (laughs) Pause after that. No, we're not doomed. We're so not doomed. I'm proof of that. I'm proof of that. I mean, you're proof of that, Maddie. Like you have a really yeah. great relationship with sugar and all my clients are proof. No, you are not doomed. And this is the exciting piece. When we realize, okay, when you get to the place where you can identify and say, I am a sugar addict, I have a problem with sugar. That's an amazing, exciting place to be in because then you can start to make change. You can start to do the deeper work and shift your relationship with it. And what I've seen, and I'm, I'm not going to dive into these too much just time-wise, but what I've seen is really the golden three pillars that I call them to really finding freedom with sugar is number one, doing the deeper mindset work. So this is the emotional baggage work, the connections, the triggers, the, the rewiring of our brain and our habits that have been built since childhood to get us away from all of those habits that are at play with our relationship with sugar. The next piece is obviously detoxing from it. So I recommend a minimum of four weeks detoxing from all the sugar stuff, the high sugar fruits, um, the white bread, white pasta, and obviously the, the obvious sugar as well. And then the third pillar in that is surrounding yourself with community, with people that 100% know what you're going through and can support you because as you mentioned, and of course we could talk about more another time, like the piece around the social implications of getting off of sugar is really tricky. Um, it's really interesting. It's almost like going vegan, right? All the meat yeah. around you are really angry and they're upset and they don't understand why you don't want their steak. And like, it, it can get really complicated between family members and between spouses and between, you know, you and society. So having a community that gets it and is there to lift you up, um, just like going to AA meetings, if you were an alcoholic, right? Like it's mandatory to surround yourself with people who, who are there who get it, who understand you and are there. So those are the three pillars that like, I absolutely always make sure my clients have covered and that works wonders. And that's what I did and how I got to where I am today. So you're not doomed. You're not doomed. There is hope. (laughs) There's so hope. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's funny that you say this because currently I'm four weeks into, um, so a few times a year I do a complete elimination diet. I eliminate all grains. I eliminate all sugar and all dairy. So I do that just for my gut health, just to reset the system. And I was hoping that at work, it was nobody's birthday at the hospital. But we had one the other day and people were looking at me strange as well. You know, that social implication. I mean, but I just owned it because I've kind of given myself the reputation as the office hippie. You know, I work in conventional medicine and I talk about diet, which makes me a crazy person. But Who are you? What are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just kind of 
owned it. But, you know, there was that judgment from people being like, oh, you know, some kind of health freak or doing something bizarre. You know, you could see it in their eyes and the way that they looked at me. Mm, yeah. And you almost have to, and it takes a certain type of person and a lot of practice to be okay being in that position. And most mm. people aren't. Most people, you know, it is, it's not comfortable to be the odd man out, to be the person that's judged or looked down upon or, you know, and then and often those situations, of course, will cave. Like, okay, well, I'll just have a cookie because I don't want to, or a piece of cake because, you know, I don't want to be the weird one, right? And and the more you practice it, it's actually really exciting, setting your boundaries and, and just owning it. Like, I think you and I both have that personality naturally where it's like, yeah, this is what I do, take it or leave it. Well, most people don't, you know, it, that's a really difficult place to, to stand up and to, to be in. So having some support around how to navigate that is is so important. Absolutely. I remember, I forget which podcast I was listening to, but it was um, a bunch of like bodybuilders, kind of super ripped guys. And they their podcast has over, you know, a million subscribers. So they're very well known. But they were talking about the idea that, you know, they're so fit and nutritious, conscious and whatever that they can't, they're actually scared to go out in public and be seen having, you know, a burger or anything like that. So I'm curious, and this just kind of came up, how do you manage as the sugar freedom coach? How do you manage the idea that of, you know, going out somewhere to a cafe and having, you know, a cake or something? Like, how does that work for you? Yeah, yeah. I love that you asked that because it's funny. I just had this experience last weekend and it's been a journey for me in that as well in actually owning up and practicing even like on Instagram, I'll share and on Facebook, like I'll share, you know, when I do choose to indulge. And that's really important for me to share because I do. I mean, I had a couple of glasses of wine last night and on the weekend I went overboard indulging. Like I just gave myself complete permission. There was no guilt. And I knew that it wasn't going to derail me because I'm in control. So, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with it because it's such an important piece of the way I show up. And yes, I still eat sugar. It doesn't control me and I get to choose when I do it. So I'm, I'm trying to do that more and actually sharing when I do choose to indulge and, and showing like, hey, this is real life. And, and practicing that even in myself when I do have a weekend where, you know, there's definitely more than a couple of glasses of wine and there's some, you know, bagels and ice cream and all the things that I indulge in this weekend, right? And that, that's such an important piece of the, the freedom, right? And, and I am actively exercising that freedom. And the day that I become famous enough for somebody to see me in a cafe eating a piece of cake and judging me... That'll be the day I know I've made it. <laughs> and I don't care. I'll say, yeah, I'm exercising my freedom to eat sugar. This is amazing. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I often, you know, I, I have similar experiences as you can imagine. And I've actually started doing the same. I've, I've sort of been like now in, in Instagram posts and in communications, people are like, oh, I could never eat as healthy as you. I watch your Instagram and whatever. And I say, I, now it's a disclaimer. I love cookies. Like I just yes. do. I love cookies. <laughs> like, and I, I exist. Um, oh, just double choc chip, just the, you know, <laughs> cookie dough is so good. So now I just make it a blanket disclaimer, part of my disclaimer, like Matt eats cookies and he loves them and he's not giving them up. Like, but it's about, yeah. the, it's about the control. It's about the freedom. You know, it's about incorporating them appropriately. Yeah. There's a really, really big difference in energy when we're choosing to indulge versus not being able to stop ourselves and, you know, that cookie having control over you. Right. I don't think we're never going to not like the taste of sugar. It's yeah. always going to taste amazing. It's always going to be great. It's right? our biology. And yeah, it's fantastic. I want some sugar right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> we'll have a healthy sugar. But, um, 
you know, I think that's so important for us, especially, you know, as leaders in the industry to really share with everybody that we're real human beings too. We still love sugar. Like, and it has been an interesting journey for me to actually own up to that. And, you know, the first couple of years, you know, I wasn't sharing that stuff and I was still, you know, having wine and making cake and baking cookies and all the things, right? But on my terms, and I was practicing that. So I've gotten to a place where I'm extremely comfortable in my my uh, right to exercise freedom with sugar. And it's it's been really wonderful to share that with the world and, and hopefully inspire people through that as well, that they can get to this point too, where it's not about having to give up sugar forever. It's about actually enjoying it when you do get to indulge and choose to indulge. And as well, I think the further down the health rabbit hole you go with health and nutrition, you actually find a lot of quite convincing alternatives that are actually like still hit the sugar button, but they also deliver a heap of nutrients because you're using all these different sort of, I guess, non-commercial abstract ingredients that actually kind of produce the same results. So, you know, there's, there's all those options as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, what are some of your favorites? Um, I, so I use a lot of um, tiger, tiger flour, tiger nut flour in um, making, which is really high in iron. So for making cookies and for using as a dough, dough base. And I use like, you know, a lot of cauliflower in place of wheat and th- those kind of white yeah. sugar complex carbs and stuff like that. So what about yeah. you? Yeah. Uh, it, it- I'll share in a second, but it's actually funny that you mentioned the tiger nut flour because I was speaking with someone a couple of weeks ago in another country. I can't remember where she was from. I've never heard of tiger nut flour before. It's really Here good. It's really good for anti-cancer, anti-cancer properties. Okay, amazing. So I thank you for the reminder. This was a reminder I needed because I'm gonna I'm gonna order some. I've never it's not I've never seen it at the store here, so I can get it on Amazon apparently. So I'm gonna do that. Um, some of my favorite little tricks and things to use is like with sweetening drinks and stuff, I love adding things like cinnamon and vanilla. Those are my go-tos. Like when I'm at spicing things up for baking and stuff, I'm kind of, it's tricky because I do try to do some sugar-free baking and free in quotation marks because I'll use banana to sweeten or applesauce. Uh, When it comes to baking, I'm really at the standpoint where it's kind of like, do it occasionally and just do it right. Go hard or go home. Just, you know, just don't make baking every single day. You know, I can't remember the last time I baked something. And when I do bake, I'm going to put the honey in it a lot less than I used to because my taste buds have all grown back now. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to use some of the real ingredients uh, or the, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to choose. That'll be my choice of indulgence to do that. You know, because a lot of these little tricks and things, sometimes I I don't find really hit the spot, especially for people who do not have their taste buds grown back yet. If you're addicted to sugar. Yeah, you'll notice there's not a lot of other taste going on in your mouth. There's a there's another there's another little uh, little red flag for you that if you're only tasting sweet and salty things. There's probably something else going on there. So you know that that's sometimes difficult. Yeah, nice. So um, where can the listeners find you online and, and tell us maybe a bit about your program as well? Ooh, yeah. Okay, so I actually have a few things going on. So find me everywhere. You can find me at DanielleDame.com. And also, I run an online community, this community piece, so important, called the Sugar Freedom Collective. So on sugarfreedomcollective.com, and maybe you can link up all my links below. Yeah, everything. Below the podcast, for sure. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes. Awesome. Awesome. So it's going to be down there. So you can find me both on Facebook and Instagram with both of those, those communities. And then I also am gearing up, actually just launching and opening the doors to a brand new program that I've created 
called Meal Plan Like a Pro. And it's going to be a 12-week program where I guide you. And there's a community of other amazing women all walking through the process of building a consistent meal planning habit. So habits take anywhere from two to three months to build. So I'm giving us a good three months. And we're going to absolutely get you set up to have this habit concreted, built in your subconscious, and be a consistent part of your, your every week routine. So that's a big piece. One of the biggest habits when you're trying to eat right, and especially when it comes to sugar, is getting a consistent meal planning habit. So that's that's the course that's coming out the end of August, beginning of September. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to, to get going with that one. Awesome. Yeah, I'll put the links for everything down below. And remember, guys, if you learned anything in this episode, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with a friend or share it on social media and tag both myself and Danielle. Again, all the links will be below so that you can find us and we will be able to share it. Um, and before we wrap up, I've loved having you here. And I know that we could, we, we probably should do part two, three, and four. But what is one piece of health information you wish everybody knew about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do part three, four, and five, and six. I'm in. Count me in for that. I'm bad. Well, yeah. I'd say the biggest thing that I think so many of us have gotten away from is the truth that we all already know what we need to do to be healthy. We already know. You know what you need to do. You know what needs to change in your life. You know what, how you need to eat, real foods, move your body. Like, you know all this. And I think we get really lost in searching out all this specific information and reading all these blog posts and getting sucked in the YouTube channels and all of these directions. We're searching for all this nitty gritty information and we're forgetting and we're, we're really disconnecting from our own inner knowledge of what's best for us and what feels right in our body and what we know we need to do to be healthy. So, you know, I think there's this really big call for all of us reconnecting with our, our own awareness around our body and knowing what's right for us and trusting that. We've put a lot of trust in the doctors and the food industry and all the people out there. We need to bring some of that trust back into us because it's, you already know. You already know what you need. So I think that's, that's a really important piece that everybody should definitely know. Good. Thanks so much for being on the show, Danny. I really love hanging out with you. And I know the listeners are going to love this episode. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. This was so much fun. I can't wait to come on again. Yeah, you're definitely. Part two is coming up. Anyway, yes. Danny, thank, thanks so much. We'll catch you later. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Bye, Maddie. See ya. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenters that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.